to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with a nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. I am really excited to be joined today by Jamie Stegmeier. How you doing? Hey, Riley. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to talk to you for the first time, I think, out loud. We've emailed a little bit, but yeah, it's great to meet you. Yeah, same. I've heard so many interviews about, uh, so many interviews with you. And so I think I'll skip some of the standard questions because I, you've answered, you know, how you got into board gaming. You've answered how you got into design, it, you know, like a... Uh, I guess real quick, maybe we should just go over that super quick. <laughs> sure. And I'm, I'm sure that there's probably people listening right now who have no idea who I am. So I, I, I am a, a game designer. I've, I've designed a couple of games that people may have heard of. Uh, Viticulture, Scythe, Charterstone, a few others as well. Tapestry, one of my more recent ones. And Rolling Realms, Road Rising are two even more recent ones. And I run a company called Stonemeyer Games, a game publishing company based in St. Louis. I've been playing games my whole life, and I started. Uh, got, I got into the publishing business when I decided that I wanted to self-publish Viticulture. I wanted to design a game specifically to self-publish on Kickstarter. And now I, we've moved away from Kickstarter, but we still try to make great games and bring joy to tabletops worldwide. Perfect. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty lazy about introducing that. <laughs> so thanks for introducing all my, of that. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so... Y- I know that you were like a magic player and you, uh, you know, Catan and all of those types of things. Do you still play magic? I do. I still get excited about magic. I, I, I love like whenever a new set comes out, I usually buy enough for like six people to join me for a draft. I just invite some friends over and we just play a, a draft where we play each other's deck once. And that scratches the magic itch for me. That's all that I need. But I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy seeing the themes and mechanisms they put into different sets. Do you have you played it? Do you still play it? Oh yeah, that was like one yeah. of my first games. I, I don't still oh, cool. play it. My brother does, and occasionally I'll go over there and he'll have like a deck, and he'll be like, "Do you want to play with us?" Oh cool, uh, cool. So last time I played yeah. though, I walked out uh, as the reigning champion. I was like undefeated. Right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so today. You announced yeah. something really exciting. This will come out Friday, so it'll okay. be a couple days ago. Most people have heard yeah. of this, maybe, but but yeah, we've got an expansion for Viticulture. Yeah, I've been excited about this for a, for a long time. Um, this is it's a expansion called the Viticulture World Cooperative Expansion, and it follows along the lines of um, of Spirit Island and Orleans Invasion, in that it's a very asymmetric expansion where every time you sit down and play, you're, you're competing or you're not competing, you're cooperating with the other players and trying to um, each each player will manage their own vineyard as normal, but they're also trying to gain a certain amount of influence in an asymmetric region of the world. So you might play a game in South America, you might play a game in Australia, and each of the continents have a different deck of cards that are themed after the real world history of that region. 
Um, it was designed by two other designers, Mihir Shaw and Francesco Testini, um, but they did a wonderful job with it. It was fun for me to work on it, and uh, I've been looking forward to announcing it for a long, long time. Uh, that is so yeah. exciting. My wife, every time we get a new game, she's like, well, is it cooperative? Because she, uh-huh. she gets so competitive, and cooperative is, is just a nice way to play, you know? Uh, yeah, so she's yeah. going to be real stoked for this. Yeah, I'm hoping to, I, I I love that too. I love I with my girlfriend Megan, we love playing cooperative games together. And I know they aren't for everyone. And I know Viticulture, this is kind of an interesting challenge with Viticulture because it's for so long it has only been a competitive game. And so I think it'll take a little bit of convincing maybe to take for some people to give it a try, but I think they'll find that it still feels very much like the original game because you still manage your own vineyard, you have full control over it, you place your workers wherever you want, you play cards whenever you want, but there is that a- aspect of actually engaging with other players in a very positive player interaction style of way, which I really love in games. Yeah. That is, yeah, that sounds amazing. And yeah. you said the magic words of Spirit Island, so automatically I'm like, <laughs> yep, I'm in. <laughs> well, that's really, really cool. So when, this was something I was going to ask. So with this yeah. and with other games, when you're a, you know, you do both design and you're a publisher. So yeah. I'm like, oh, why a did Wingspan? I Wingspan, yes. Wingspan, yeah. Yeah, like Wingspan, right? I had Elizabeth on a couple weeks ago, and she told me that she sent some stuff into you. And and so, like, with as your role as a publisher, how does that vary from designer? When I design a game, like pretty much all of all the work from this from the very beginning, the idea, the inception of the idea, it, every aspect of of creating the guy the game and uh, and then developing it and then publishing, all of that is on me. And I love that fun challenge of going through that entire process. Uh, and then there's the side where, like with a, a wingspan or a pendulum or um, a between two castles, those games are submitted to us or we discover them in some way. And they're a lot of fun to work on in a different way because I get to mostly just act as a developer and a publisher. So my developer role is kind of to poke at the design and play test it myself and coordinate blind play testing and take all this feedback and try to distill it in a way that I think is helpful for the designer to make it the best game possible, the most fun, the most balanced, the most intuitive, all those things that go into making a great game. And so it's, it's a little less involved than me designing a game from scratch, but I almost feel, I, I think in some ways, maybe I become a better developer than a designer because it, I, I get to work with amazing people who have talents that I don't, I don't even come close to. My talents aren't even close to their talents. And I get to add my outside perspective as someone who has designed and developed and plays a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I know yeah, Elizabeth kind of said like, oh, I send it to him. And then he like sends it back with changes and it's a right. back and forth. So developer yeah. seems like a more, uh, well, I mean, publishing is the act of like actually putting it out into the world, right? Right, right. And so right. you're kind of publisher developer is that pretty common in the tabletop world that like publishers and developers are like i think oftentimes that ends up being being the case yeah i I think i I get the perception that there are a growing number of publishers who get into the publishing business because they have a game that they want to design and then many of them realize that it's tough to run a company and also continue to design games or maybe they realize that their talents and their passions are in running the company instead of designing the games not everybody but i've seen this with some publishers and that's when they kind of shift their their roles to that developer slash publisher role. There are still some publishers that maybe hire a, de- a developer. I think it's pretty rare that it's a full time job, but there are people who specialize in developing games. And there there is also there are some companies that will when they sign a game when they sign a game that's submitted to them they take it from there they take everything from there and the the designer isn't really involved from then on. Our method is very different. As you said about Elizabeth, I work, there's a lot of back and forth with the designer because I think the designer knows the game best. And I'm just here largely to add my perspective, 
add that playtesting feedback to coordinate playtesting, things like that. So I think oh, different publishers do that that side of things differently too. Yeah, I love yeah. that a lot because oftentimes talking to other designers, uh, they they talk about handing off or like once they right. sign it, it's like I've now released control of my game. Like I get money right. and and now it can change <laughs> themes. It can change mechanics and be completely different by the time it comes out. Yeah, maybe sometimes the designer likes that. Like there comes a time in any of my designs where I'm like, okay, I just, I want this to be done. I, I want to be done with this. And so I'm guessing that some designers might feel the same way with their games. But I have a lot of fun working with the designers and I try to make it fun for them too. So I make sure they know what they're getting into when we sign a game, that they're not just handing it off. And everyone so far seems to have been been game for it. That sounds like the dream to me. Like who wants, I think people pour their like heart into a game oh, yeah. when they're creating it. So like, certain feedback like you know what we're not gonna do wingspan with birds let's make it dragons you know like (laughs) i'm sure that would have been a breaking point for elizabeth (laughs) there was actually really there was a time where i had my doubts about the theme i didn't come back to her with dragons but i came back to her with like kind of anthropomorphic birds like little steampunky type birds things like that which in my head i could picture what that game would look like and i brought it up with her i was like elizabeth just just to make sure do you think do you think this is do you think this is right? Do you think it'll catch on? And she was like, no, I feel strongly about this. Let's go forward with it. And uh, she was absolutely right. Like, I think that would have been <laughs> definitely the wrong move to make. And so, yeah, I, I try to listen to designers when they have thoughts like that. Yeah, that's awesome. With yeah. w- Well, while we're talking about Wingspan, uh, yeah. it's been in the like news everywhere type thing. We've got Mandy Patinkin playing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was on that British show, like soap uh-huh. opera show, like... I don't know. How does it make you feel seeing like it out there in in like the the mainstream? I I love seeing any game in the mainstream. It's extra flattering that it's a game for, that that we publish, and I, I love seeing that for Elizabeth. But yeah, any seeing any modern hobby game be talked about or discussed by by I don't know outside of the gaming hobby. I love it inside the gaming hobby too. But outside of it is just it. It's really exciting to for me to for people to discover what modern gaming is beyond maybe what their perception of it is if they know nothing about it. So I, I love that. I don't know if Mandy is maybe the best ambassador in that video for the game or games <laughs> in general, but at least he seems to be having fun with figuring out how Wingspan works a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was like so representative of us yeah. all learning to play board games. Totally. And I think he replied to Elizabeth and even said like, oh, we're he? excited to play it again. You know, like <laughs> okay. now that we got our first playthrough done, which so many of nice. us, right? Like my wife, first playthrough, she's yes. almost always like, ah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she comes around. Then she goes, yeah, yeah, I get that. When Libertalia, that's another yeah. one that you just recently, you know, published and released. Yeah. Which was really exciting. It went from a game that I wasn't really interested in because of like the theme and the art to to being this beautiful work of art and and seemed to be like spiced up a little bit. Uh, so was that, did you seek that out or did somebody come to you with that idea? I, well, I, I should say you just made my day by saying that because I we got so much criticism from people who who are who love the original Libertalia, which I get and we're not taking that away. They can still have the original Libertalia. I loved it enough to make this new edition of it. Um, but I I appreciate you embracing the the, the brighter, fresher uh, theme of it um, and setting of it. Uh, and it's still very much a pirate game, too, of course. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a game that I loved from a long time ago, and it went out of print, and it didn't look like anyone was going to going to make it again. Um, maybe a company, another company, eventually would have picked it up and done their spin on it. Um, but I wanted to give that a try. I like to experiment with different things at Stillmire Games, and taking a, an out of print game from another publisher 
And working with that designer, it was great to work with Paolo to bring a new um, version of it to life was a real pleasure. I really had a good time doing it. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I, for me, yeah. like the only way I think it could have even been better thematically, well, and, and it was so close for me that it was um, Treasure Planet. Like I looked at it yes. and I was just yeah. like, if this was Treasure Planet, this would be like yeah. the perfect thing for this. But even, even yeah. still, you don't have the IP and it, it worked perfectly for me. In hindsight, that would have been a pretty cool IP to, cons- to to go after. And given that's a little older, we might have actually had a chance at getting it. I don't know. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there, I mean, you've got Red Rising. Are right. there other IPs that you would love to design in? Red Rising was was pretty special because Red Rising, it hit a very sweet spot of, it's a book series that I truly love. And I think given the amount of time that I spend on, time and resources that I spend on any game, it has to be something that I that I really do embrace. I I, I don't want to put too much impetus on me because there are great other people at Stomara Games, but it has to be something that I, wa- I want to spend a lot of time on. So that was one part of it. The book series is pretty popular, but it's not on the pop uh, the level of like a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter or Star Wars. And so part of the excitement for me for that was bringing the Red Rising or introducing the Red Rising novels to people who hadn't heard of them through the game. Um, and I've heard that from so many people that they had never heard of the novels and they they played the game, but also they had a big enough audience that we thought that we could inter- it, uh, appeal to the fans of Red Rising through the game. So it hit this really sweet spot that I think is pretty rare, the intersection of those different things. So to answer your question, in a hopefully not too long way, there are many other IPs that I like. I, those things I just mentioned, I love Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, tons of IPs that I love. But there aren't many in that very specific sweet spot. In fact, I don't think there's any other right now that I can think of that 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 we're working on. So someday maybe there, something will pop up. Is there? What about you? Is there is there an IP that you love, whether or not it's in that sweet spot or big or small, that you would love that isn't in a tabletop game that you would love to see in a tabletop game? Kind of. I I yeah. design a little bit. I dabble. Okay. And I started doing a Futurama board game. Just like people were telling me they didn't like pick up and deliver games. So I decided to try my hand at that and do it like a, you run this interplanetary uh, delivery company. So that's really cool. Yeah. That's like, I would love to pitch that to whoever I need to pitch it to and and get it going. But it's even just fun just playing around with it. So (laughs) that's awesome. And is that an IP that you really, you really love you? Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So what kind of, like, when you're playing a game, yeah. I haven't figured out how to ask this question perfectly, uh, so work with me. But, okay. uh, like, I tend to tailor my game experience or how I play based on the people I'm playing with. So if I'm introducing yeah. somebody to a game, I'll play easier. Or, like, if people right. aren't competitive, I won't be competitive, you know, that type of thing. But yeah. in an ideal situation... If you were playing with four other or three other Jamies, what uh-huh. would be the like ideal play style? Three other Jamies. So like literally a clone of myself who has all of my back my experiences. Like I clone myself at this moment right now. That would be perfect. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase okay. it. <laughs> okay. Um what would be the ideal play style? My my favorite thing to do in games is I I mentioned that as a company, I like to experiment. I like to try something new and see how it goes. That's generally my play style in games too. I like to tr- push some odd aspect of the strategy, not to necessarily not to break the game. I'm not that style of player. We we have play testers who do that, but I don't do that. I just like to find something that seems interesting to do and go after it. And I don't even really care. I like I, it's fun when I win a game, but that isn't the focus of it. It's just picking something. Like in recently, I've been playing a lot of Ark Nova, and in Ark Nova, 
there are some really difficult animals to play. Like they take many, many turns to build up to play a certain animal. And that uh, kind of intrinsic motivation is really appealing to me to like just pick one of those animals and say, I really want to put this orangutan in my zoo. I'm going to put everything towards making that happen. And so I think if I played with a bunch of Jamies, I would see a lot of weird stuff happening around the table where everyone's pursuing their own intrinsic motivation and doing something really cool. And we'd all probably end up tying because uh, none of us are really going after the win. Yeah. That is spectacular. Yeah. I have a friend that does that and it's like, he comes up with the weirdest strategies uh-huh. And and it, sometimes it pays off, and he rarely wins. But when he wins, it's like by a lot because <laughs> oh, yeah? the strategy yeah. was just like so obscure. Uh, <laughs> so I love that. That's really cool. And that's yeah. that like designer developer mind of yours. I think going, yeah. you know, pushing different buttons, see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what are some of this? Is the hardest question on the whole podcast? Uh, okay. Like, what's your favorite board game? Yeah, I do. I do a top 10. I do a lot of top 10 lists, but I do my overall all time top 10 list twice a year. And I just did one in March. And I think near the top of the list, I think I've still put Dune Imperium at number one. That's been on there for a little while. And Quacks was definitely up there. Quacks of Quinlanburg was up there near the top. And Arc Nova, which I just mentioned, jumped onto the list for the first time. That's a, I usually don't embrace games that heavy, but it's really scratched a nice itch for me. Have you played any of those games and, and uh, of those three? Quacks is a favorite Quacks. around yeah. here. Dune Imperium's on my list, and so so is Arc Nova. We did a convention a couple uh, last month, and yeah. the Arc Nova was just like taken the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> like there was yeah. no chance of us getting in a game of that. But I would love to someday. It's a, a little bit of a longer game too, which makes it good for conventions because you have extra time. But it also means it's going to be checked out for a while when someone checks. Yeah, it out. exactly. Yeah. And usually people like have a group and they check out multiple games, and so it's like yeah. It'll make it back when it makes it back. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> On your, you know, you mentioned your blog. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk about a lot of different things on there, which I love. And yeah. you're very transparent. So you're transparent about like uh, what you guys do, like the money, the the production yeah. side of it, all of that. You talk about food. You talk about <laughs> uh, movies and TV shows. So like you're a, you're very diverse in your in your likes and your hobbies um, so yeah like let's let's nerd out what are you nerding about recently what am i nerding about recently yeah so you just just to clarify for anyone who's, who's watching you've cited two different sources there so i want to make sure it's clear I, I have a personal blog at jamiestegmeyer.com where i talk about those movies and the books um i blog on that like four times a week and then i have the stillmeyer games blog where i do all the transparent stuff about stillmeyer games what i'm what i'm learning as an entrepreneur at a company I like that you included both of them in that list, but because uh, I have fun writing both of them for for different reasons. Yeah, it is an important distinction. Yeah. They are separate. <laughs> they are separate. Yeah. So recently, the the books I'm always reading a, a, a book. Um, I just finished a, a well. I finished the last book in a Brandon Sanderson series. Uh, the book was called Cytonic. I think it's called the. Oh, I forget the name of the series. The latest book of it is Cytonic. It's kind of a, a, a sci-fi. Spy-Fi Space series that I'm enjoying. Um, so I just finished that. Movies, I really enjoyed uh, Coda, which won, I think, Best Movie at, at the Academy Awards. It's a, yeah, it did. Coda. Have, have you seen it? I haven't, but it's the yeah. deaf one, right? Yes, yeah. Coda stands for Child of Deaf, deaf Adults. That's right. And it was a really, uh, caught me off guard at how how, how much it uh, it it uh, really intrigued me and, and really got to, got to the heart of, uh, of me. And the, I think anyone who watches it, yeah, it was a really great movie. And uh, I play a lot of disc golf. That's the kind of the sport that I've been doing right now. 
uh, and TV. Um, we're into the the Moon Knight series, and we're watching Halo. Halo and Moon Knight right now are the two series that we're really into. Did you watch today's Moon Knight episode yet? We're saving it for tonight. Okay. So we, I haven't yeah, watched yeah, it yet yeah. either. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm totally with you. Those those types of things. Um, and Brandon Sanderson, did you back that? Did you back? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You got it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I he is an author that I could I consistently buy his work without knowing anything about it. And I kind of went into that approach with this Kickstarter. I don't, even though he revealed like the themes of each of the books, I don't know. I don't want to know until it shows up magically on my Kindle sometime next year. Did you, did you, uh, what approach did you take? Do you, do you know what they're about or did you? Yeah, I read, mystery? I did? read some of what they, I okay. tried to like just skim it and I was like, oh, okay. those sound like cool themes. Like <laughs> I want a game in these worlds. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm really excited about those, but do you read, read, or do you listen? Are you an audiobook? I, uh, I, uh, 99% of the time I'm reading on my Kindle and oh. every now and then I, I listen to podcasts when I work out. And when I, um, if I do a long road trip, I'll, I'll listen to a book on tape, but yeah, mostly it's, it's reading, um, on my Kindle. Okay. I'm just a huge TV nerd. So uh-huh. I, I want to know, uh, what are some of your absolute favorite shows of all time? Ooh, my favorite shows of all time. Uh, there, there are so many, I think, I feel like, for a while now, we've been in a almost a golden age of, of TV, of really quality TV. And it's even upping now where s- studios are putting the same amount of money they put in the movies into the TV oh, yeah. shows. A lot of the, so Megan and I, my girlfriend, we usually watch like a comedy at lunch. And so I have a lot of like half hour comedies that I really love. I haven't watched Futurama actually, but I love Rick and Morty, which I think probably has maybe a little bit of a similar feel. Maybe. Kind of, yeah, like kind of. Okay, it sort of paved the way, I think, for that type. Okay, it's, it's got some sci-fi yeah. stuff, comedy. It's got heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, do, I need to give, I need to give it a try. Yeah, but I do enjoy Rick and Morty a lot as a, as a kind of a half-hour comedy style show. And I'm trying to think of a longer show. Uh, this is random off the top of my head because there are many, many great uh, longer shows that I watch. But have you seen the Watchmen series that was on HBO <gasps> a few years ago? Yeah. Oh my god, I love good. that. Yeah, that blew my mind how good it was because I, I, I had no idea what they were going to do with it and the way that they unfolded the mystery. They showed, yeah, I, I, that's a one of many awesome shows, but I definitely enjoyed that one. Yeah, do you, do you have one that comes to mind uh, over the last couple of years? Maybe all time is tough. All time I, is really tough. Well, for me, I've got Lost. Lost. Okay, is yeah, an all time favorite. Yeah. yeah, comedy is Community probably. Oh, I love Community. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I have like. I have things from both those things, actually. So, like, I own Charlie's yeah. guitar. Like, I bought it. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So, but it's like, it's got the arrow through it. Uh huh. And that's incredible. And then, like, I've met Dan Harmon. I have a picture of, like, me and Dan Harmon together. And he was, like, blackout drunk and just, like, oh, <laughs> I thought he was going to kiss me or something. <laughs> so, it, wow. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I nerd out about that type of stuff hardcore is that the biggest uh in-person nerd out moment that you've had or is there someone else that you've met where it was even higher there was that one is pretty up there but there was one time where me and my wife it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were we were like we want some food so we ran over to Harmon's, our grocery store and Uh i saw this guy and i was like he looks kind of familiar and then we were like we ended up checking out we ended up in the checkout line right behind him and it was um Oh, no. How did I just forget his name? He is Deathstroke on the TV show Arrow. Manu Bennett. Manu Bennett. Um, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I was like, are you Manu Bennett? <laughs> He's like, yeah. And we ended up just like talking and taking a picture. And and he was just like there 
uh-huh. hanging out, you know, <laughs> working awesome. on a movie or something down the street. And, and so that was cool. Have, what about you? Have you, have you had those kind of nerd out moments? Well, I'm curious before I answer that, I'm, I'm just curious because I, I have not had many, but in, in replaying how that went in your head, are you glad with how you, how it went, your approach to it? Or do, do you wish, is there any part of you like, oh, I wish I had said this other thing? Because I know like they are, celebrities are just people, yeah, but they're also, you know, we see them a different way. We see them on, on screen and things like that. So yeah, do, do, do you like how the interaction went? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I did. Okay. It was great. We were, the only thing is that we were like in our pajamas mm, and mm. like, ready for bed you know like we were there for a late night snack yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so that's the one thing i would have changed <laughs> um, but i've great. definitely had way more embarrassing celebrity interactions so <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> i want to hear about those now too <laughs> the only so i'm sure i've had some that i'm blanking on right now a lot i mean i i still geek out very much so when i meet a game when any game designer for a game that i love it happened it, it can't not happen when, when that happens but the, there's one, I, I have like a, a celebrity regret, and he's a very minor celebrity, but there's a band that I love called Typhoon. And I really love it. Like they're t- my, one of, among my top, probably three favorite bands. I love their music. And I went to a concert here in St. Louis and um, I showed up a little bit early and the, the lead singer of the band was just like right there. Like I was at the ticket stand getting my ticket stamped or whatever. And, and he just kind of wandered up. I think he had a question for them about, about something about backstage. And so I'm like feet, uh, feet away from my, one of my favorite musicians of all time. And I'm not good in general at and introducing myself to people or saying hi or anything like that. And I just froze. And so I created a very, probably well, not a very awkward situation, but I, I have regrets about it. Cause I wish I just said like, I love your work. I think it's great. I'm really excited about tonight. Even like, like that would be in the base level, the ba- most basic thing to say. And I couldn't even say that. Cause I was so like nervous about like saying the right thing or the wrong thing. So that's my, I know it's not a big celebrity, but to me, that was like, he was, uh, I, I love his, his music. And so I, I wish I had said something. Yeah, that's really, I totally relate to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's fun to hear because I think, you know, a lot of people might feel that way if they saw you at a, con- I know you're not like a big convention goer, but yeah. uh, you know, if they saw you out in the wild, they'd be like, is that Jamie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think they would get excited uh, and have that same moment. <laughs> when I hope they don't, I hope some people do better than that with me. Cause I, especially at a convention, like when I go to Geekway to the West, I truly want people to, to play games with me. Like that's my favorite thing at conventions to play games with a wide variety of people. And so I, I really want people, if they have that same fear that I have, I hope that they are able to do better than I did and say hi. <laughs> so I can play a game with them. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. What other hobbies do you have? We've talked about a couple. A, a disc golf is my main outdoor hobby right now, but I grew up playing soccer. I played ultimate frisbee. Played, I, I, I love doing something outside wherever I am in, in my life at that time. Yeah, we've talked about the movies, the books, TV shows. I definitely do a lot of that stuff. And a lot of my life really is gaming at this point. I, I play a lot of games. Are you like a video gamer yeah. or? I don't I, I don't play a lot of video games. I, I okay. enjoy some digital ports of games. And I due to the pandemic, I now have. I have a regular in-person game night, but I also have a regular virtual game night on Board Game Arena. I've really enjoyed that more than I nice. thought because I can play games on a regular basis with people around the country and around the world rather than just people in St. Louis. Did you get into that in the pandemic at all? Did you uh, playing virtual games or digital games? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot. Um, I actually got introduced to like the board game community. I went to a, a design uh, convention like the month that the pandemic started. Uh, okay. And so uh-huh. all of a sudden I was like making all these connections and like 
And yeah. so most of my interactions were online. But yeah, I know you're an introvert. Yeah. Uh, has, has the pandemic been kind of, I don't know, like how has it been for you as an introvert? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. It, I think introverts maybe had an, well, I won't, I, I, as an introvert, I probably had an easier time with the pandemic than some extroverts that really need that in-person time quite frequently. So that, the pandemic was uh, not... Uh, in that aspect, that specific aspect was not has not been all that difficult for me. And I'm very fortunate that Megan and I happened to move in right before the pandemic. So as an introvert, I still need quality people time. And I'm very fortunate to get that with Megan. When I go to a convention, I love playing games with people, but I love the structure of games. Like that's one of the things that I really love as an introvert, that I have this structure, this thing that we're all here to, to buy into and play and talk about. That is really helpful for me because small talk is very difficult for me as an introvert or, or very exhausting <laughs> as an introvert. And th- like I said before, introducing myself to people, I, I have, I don't know if that's an introvert thing or just uh, a social anxiety, but I, I've had that for a very long time and have not done very good at, at not done a good job at working at that. What about you? Are you an extrovert or introvert? And how did the pandemic impact you in that I, way? I'm an extrovert, but it, okay. for me, it was like nice. It was, I almost like, I felt like, oh, I don't oh. really have to go out. I can be at home. Yeah. I can just play games or like interact with my uh-huh. wife. My wife's an introvert. And okay. and you were talking about like, it, like she has a hard time introducing herself. And now I'm curious. She also had like in uh, social situations, she doesn't introduce me either. Or she doesn't uh. like introduce people. Do you do, are, I don't know. Is that an introvert thing? Or are you a little self-reflection here? Uh, it's possible. Well, so my perception of introverts and for me is that I like to, when when there's the possibility of me being the center of attention, I deflect that in an in introvert style situation by either um, asking questions to take the attention off me and put it back on other people, give them the, the job of talking or to introduce other people and make connections between other people oh. so they can talk and that takes attention off me as well. I don't know if that's an introvert thing or a Jamie thing, but I'm guessing that might be that might be more of an introvert thing to deflect to put the attention back on the other people um, and introduce introducing people as maybe part of that. I could see that. Do you have imposter syndrome a little bit too? Do you feel like oh, why are people interested in me? <laughs> All the time. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it could be a combination of the two, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the last things we do is ridiculous themes. So we come up with okay. the ridiculous theme for a board game. Yes. And it doesn't yeah. mean bad. So. My right. initial uh, inspiration for this was Wingspan because I thought that was such a ridiculous <laughs> theme. And then I played it and I was like, wow, this Just game is awesome. Right. <laughs> I was I was jokingly going to say uh, Futurama as the theme, but I don't think that's all, of a, all that ridiculous. So I don't want to actually say that. Yeah, but I, I, you you did the the kindness to me to prompt me with this, this question earlier on. And I, I could not think of something off the top of my head. I could not think of a theme. So here, I'll throw out one that I, I tried to design a long time ago and never went anywhere. But there was an old movie. I think it was called Wizard. I don't know. Do you remember like in, in Nintendo? Nintendo used to have something called the Power Glove. Do you remember the oh, Power yeah. Glove at all? Yeah. Okay. And I think it was introduced in a movie called Wizard um, a long time ago. But I, I had an idea for a, a long time ago about a game where each player had their own cool Power Glove. Uh, didn't go any further than that, but... I don't know. That that's a, a random theme idea that I had a long time ago. <laughs> that's kind of a fun yeah. idea. Like, we would be the power glove would be like a board game mechanic. It would kind of be like I think the idea was that it would be your player mat, and you would you would 
activate different things using that power glove. I don't, maybe it would tie a little bit into making the game feel a little bit like a digital game. Cause I think that was the original concept for that yeah. Nintendo power glove, but it didn't, like I said, it didn't go very far. So I don't really know where it would have gone. Yeah. Almost like yeah. worker placement on the power glove. Exactly. In a way. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a fun yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you went with my TV show. I'm going to go with yours of Rick and Morty. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. And a big thing in there is like the multiple, uh, there's a lot of Rick and Morty games. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but sticking with that, like multiple versions and multiple, uh, what do you call that? The multiverse. The multiverse, yeah. Yeah. And so like maybe having it be like a, almost a worker placement throughout the multiverse and trying to align the multiverses or like influence them to get the results that you want. I, I, coming up with it on the spot here. No, I like that a lot. I, I don't think there is a worker. Pl- I can't think of a worker placement game where there are s- different, like slightly different versions of the same exact meeple. So like, I like the idea of having like a bunch of different Ricks and a bunch of different Mortys with slightly, slightly different aspects of them. The show's done a lot of stuff with that. I, I think oh, that yeah. could work well for a game. Yeah. Yeah. And easy expansions, right? Like, you oh, yeah. just come up just with add like, more well, Ricks here's and Bird Rick and here's Bird Morty. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And human uh, bird man. And human, human, human bird man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is, is there anything else yeah. you want to talk about before we close out? Or I, I can't think of anything, but I really enjoyed this chat. Thanks for, for I like the variety of questions that you asked and I, I've enjoyed chatting with you. So yeah, thanks for your time, Riley. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And and why don't you go ahead and plug everything you want to plug. I, I don't know, like okay. the website, the social media, all that. Well, yeah, if people are curious about that thing we mentioned early on, the, the Viticulture World expansion, that I am revealing right now on our website, even as this goes live. The rulebook is there, but I'm revealing stories about the design process, if that's something that interests people uh, seeing behind the scenes of the design process. And if you like that kind of stuff, my videos on my YouTube channel are all about game design. Like, uh, and they're all positive. I talk about my favorite mechanism in a board game, in a specific game. And then on the Summer Games blog, as you mentioned, I write a lot about entrepreneurship and crowdfunding. So if you're interested in, in that aspect of things, that's on the Summer Games blog. Perfect. Oh, and if you like cats, go to Instagram. I talk, post about my cats all the time on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I heard an interview with you and I could hear cats in the background. I was waiting for oh, yeah. some cats to appear. How many cats do you have? Oh, I see one. Uh, yeah, here's on one. Cue. I love here's Biddy. <laughs> on cue. Oh, that's so cute. I have two cats. This is Biddy, my 15-year-old cat, and Walter is around 12. He's... He's not here right now. She is not Bitty. Or is it he? He, yeah, yeah. He, he okay. Yeah, he is he's not, not Bitty. bitty no, no. <laughs> bitty is about 17 pounds. Yeah, he's a big oh, boy. That is cute. That is awesome. <laughs> um, d- is there a release date for the Viticulture expansion? Um, we are really just waiting for freight shipping to arrive. So we've already made it. We're just waiting for it to arrive. And so we're looking at an early June pre-order. And then the retail release date is usually around 45 days after that. Wow, yeah. Yeah, you guys always are awesome at getting games out quick. I really appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> I am leaving all those meows in. They will not be <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. It was really fun talking to Jamie. He is just an amazing human being. And talking to people who have worked with Jamie, they absolutely love him. So I was so happy to have him on the show. A couple of things before we get to his fond memory, which is incredibly heartwarming. Once a month, I do a a live stream with Board Game Grand, Angela, and the Board Game Captain, Josh. And we had Zoe Allred on last time. And we just talk about a topic and kind of just hang out and talk for like an hour and a half. 
So you can catch that on YouTube. It's called Game Night Insight. I also played Arkham Horror, the card game, Carnival of Horrors, with Mr. Rao Gaming. That's Ryan Rao. So you can find that on YouTube. That was a lot of fun. And we are going to be playing Marvel Champions Sinister Motives next. Uh, That'll be next week. Monday is my birthday. Hey, happy birthday, me. So I am going to be getting a bunch of new games and playing some games soon. I'm really, really excited about that. If you want to give me a nice little birthday present, you could go to Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast, give it five stars. And if you want to be really, really nice, you could write a nice little review. And that helps the podcast get seen more. I have been having a lot of fun and it's been fun having the bigger designers on. I've got a couple more lined up and I won't announce them yet. If this is your first time listening to the show, I strongly recommend listening to Tanya Pobeda. That episode is just, it's the pinnacle of the show, honestly. So much fun and so much important information. Other than that, you could go back and just look through the names. I've had some big names like Eric Lang, Elizabeth Hargrave, podcasters like Organized Funds Phil. I've had uh, the entire team of Board Game Hot Takes. I have had streamers like Bonzinator and Eclectic Camel, Joe, the Phantom Meeple. I've had so many different people. Anyway, just go through. You can look through that list, pick and choose who you want to hear from. It's a lot of fun. They're really casual, fun conversations like this one. Normally a little bit longer than this. I also have another podcast in which I play the Borderlands Bunkers and Badasses tabletop RPG. It's an actual play. I am the BM, aka the Bunker Master. I run a couple of friends through the game. We tell our own story, so we're not like ruining anything from the source book. And it's a lot of fun. We focus on the humor, but it is explicit. So if that's not your type of thing, that's all right. Don't listen. It is called Friend and Foe Adventure Co. And you can find that wherever you podcast. I think that'll do it. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate everyone. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at RyleNerd. And until next time, keep nerding out. A fond memory about board games. You know, a lot of my memories recently about anything have been about my dad who passed away a few months ago. And he was he was a, a big supporter of what I've been trying to build at Stillmeyer Games. So just in general, I think of my dad when I think about my, my company and gaming in general. He played games with me as a kid. He taught me how to play chess. He indulged me when I started creating games as an eight, nine, ten-year-old and uh, playing those games with me. And uh, I, I remember when I uh, had a big Kickstarter, my last Kickstarter project for Scythe back in 2015, there was an article in the local paper, my hometown paper, that, uh, that, that talked about the campaign and how big it was and full of this hometown pride. And my dad was really proud of it, too. Um, and he, uh, he, he framed it and he sent it to me. He framed the, the article. Um, and my dad, my dad was, uh, uh, he, he, he worked in the county government at this county where I grew up. And so he was, he was it, like this newspaper in particular meant a lot to him. Um, and he, a lot of stories were about him in this newspaper. So I think it was really neat to see an article about his son in it, too. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, a fond memory.